Right, so uh, Acts and um, chapter 1, beginning at the first verse. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And we'll leave that there. This uh, book of Acts, the Apostles, it was it's called the Acts of the Apostles because it's, a, it's an account of some of the activities the apostles after Jesus left. Uh, some have said it should be called the Acts of Jesus Christ. And well that would be that would be a, a fair title as well. But this is as good as any Acts of the Apostles. It was written I think about 30 years after Jesus after Jesus ascended to heaven. Um, there are about I looked this up there are just over 1,000 verses in the book of Acts. And 300 of those verses, thereabouts, are um, speeches, speeches, sermons by the apostles. So that's a big chunk, that's a, about a third. Which is good because it gives, us a, it gives us a snapshot of what the apostles' preaching was like at the very, very beginning. And taken with all the letters in the New Testament, the letters of teaching, we can combine those and form an idea of what we are supposed to be doing, you know, as a church, and what evangelism should look like. And my experience for a long, long time has shown that really when I, when I see some of the evangelism taking place on the streets of Liverpool and other places, it, it does not really sound like the preaching that I read in Acts. And so it's a great example for us, and so I hope we can really learn from Acts, you know, how, how we should be conducting ourselves. The author of Acts, we, 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 we strongly believe, is Luke. 
were persuaded that it was Luke. And Luke is the same guy who wrote the, the biography, if you like, of Jesus. So the gospel according to Luke, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, that was the same person. And he, he starts uh, by addressing this Theophilus. Don't know who Theophilus was. He could be the patron, the guy who maybe sort of funded Luke's uh, historical research. But Luke was essentially an historian. He was an, he was an ancient historian. And many people have said that Luke really is one of the best historians from ancient times. I don't mean they were, they were just biased uh, because he, he's in the Bible. But people at the time, the Greek and Latin historians, they looked on Christianity as some quirk that was just not going to go anywhere. Uh, it was going to die a death soon. It was ignored. It was ridiculed as superstitious. Luke recognised that this, this new movement was something really, really special. He, he, he got onto that, he understood that, and he said, this is worth recording. And, he, and Luke was convinced of uh, the things that took place in it, even the miraculous things as well. So, um, yeah, so Luke, Luke is uh, really better than all the ancient Near East historians uh, in that respect. He had the guts to, to get behind this thing. He dared to do what other people didn't. Interesting thing about Luke doing both the Gospel account and the Acts is that one is, is connected to the other. And it turns out that the end of Luke, which I'm going to read in a moment, uh, you'll see a connection with what we've just uh, read. So, in the final chapter of Luke, chapter 24, and as I read this, listen, think about how that ties in with what, what, what I read from Acts. Then he, Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the Lord of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, so all the predictions in the Old Testament before Jesus was born, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold I am sending the promise of my father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising God. So, you can see that as he opens this book of Acts, he's, uh, Luke is trying to connect the two together. So he's, he's taking the life of Jesus and he's extending that to the life of the church of Jesus um, and it, all its witnesses and that. And like I say, only Luke did to, to, to do this out of them all. He was the only one to take a biography of Jesus and then continue with uh, these accounts of, you know, what happened as a result of Jesus coming. It was a continuation of the same story, really. 
wanted to say two things today really two simple things one is the ascent of the sun so Jesus ascending to heaven the second thing is the descent of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit coming down into the hearts of people so the ascent of the sun first it said there at the beginning of Acts it said all that be Jesus began to do and teach Luke is saying uh, I've already written to you that's the gospel I've already written to you Theophilus and told you all about Jesus and all about his teaching and so on and really what Luke does here in Acts is he focuses on Jesus's ministry now why, why do I say that's important because what's missing from Acts really is Jesus coming into the world as a baby what we call the advent it's what all this all this stuff's about all these decorations here that they put up for us well the point has got nothing to do with whether you celebrate Christmas or not nothing whatsoever the, the, the point is that Luke sees that the the coming of Jesus as a baby and the little manger and all, all that stuff was it was essential and it should have been celebrated at the time and we thank God that he came into the world but that was a means to an end the point of that was so that he could carry out his ministry okay now think about it. the people of this world uh, if I invited them here this morning they would not come because I'm speaking about Christ I'm speaking about things like sin and, and things that they don't want to hear about but if I asked them to come to a carol service, well, you'd find people turn up for the carol service. Why? Because they love little baby Jesus. You know, who doesn't like look, who doesn't like a little handsome little baby? You know, they, they love it. it. It's not threatening to them because Jesus is just a baby getting presents, a baby shower. This is what. And when you when you go on to talk about Jesus' ministry, okay going too far that's the way it is but when we go through acts we'll see that it's all about jesus ministry it mentions that in verse 4 verse 3 about proofs when jesus was raised from the dead as if that wasn't amazing in itself he did things to impress on them that this wasn't you know this is not some kind of dream They'd seen someone raised from the dead before, but this was this was this was far far bigger. And Jesus didn't just appear as some ghost; he was a person raised from the dead, not rotting away like in off the telly, The Walking Dead. Not like that at all. It's a healthy, resurrected individual, right? And the proofs that Luke is talking about here is that. Jesus was uh, breaking bread, you know, like we do, breaking bread. Jesus did that with them. He, he said, look, look at me hands and my feet. Uh, he even ate with them. He told them he was hungry and wanted some fish. And so he ate fish with them. So that's the proofs really Luke is talking about. Jesus here at his ascension then, he's... Uh, He's, he's, he's saying to these apostles, I'm choosing you to, 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 to kick off this mission that's going to last till the end of time. Why then? 
they'd accompanied Jesus, hadn't they? They'd, uh, they'd accompanied him, they'd been taught by him, they'd witnessed all kinds of miracles, and so they were really the best candidates. And so they link the life of Jesus with the life of the church in Acts. They're the, the link in between uh, the two. Jesus himself says here that they needed to hang around in Jerusalem. Why? Because the promise, there was a promise made. Now, I, when I read from Luke, uh, what, uh, John, there was a, yeah, no, uh, Luke uh, 24. One of the verses in there, you remember a moment ago, it talked about the, uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit coming, right? And then we've got another reference in John 14. John chapter 14 and verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth, that's the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. But there's one of the promises. I want to turn over a few pages to chapter 16 of John. And he goes even further in chapter 16 and verse 7. Jesus there says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I, I go away. For if I do not go away, meaning send, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Okay, so there's that sort of it's as if the Holy Spirit is taking over the work um, in a way. And so it was, it was necessary for Jesus to, to go and the Holy Spirit will come. So Jesus, he, he's ready to ascend here and he, is, he stands there at the very centre of time, if you like. Before him become, was, the, was the age of promises. Promises of the Messiah, promises of the Kingdom, promises of the Spirit all kinds of promises. He stands there and in front of them, after his ascension, it's the age of the church, the time of the gospel. He stands at the centre. He says to them, before he goes, he says, stay here, stay put, don't scatter, don't go on holiday, don't go visiting relatives, stay here and wait. Stay in Jerusalem. The, the out, this outpouring of the Spirit that will take place. Why did he say, why, why Jerusalem? Why, why did he, why was it all going to start in Jerusalem? Well, it had to be. That, that had to be the starting point for the preaching of this new message. It was going to be to Jews first. Then it would be to the larger region of um, Israel, if you like, there would be um, Jews and also converts, you know, people who are not racially Jewish, but half, you know, so it would extend. And then it says to the rest of the world, it's the rest of them, the rest of the world they knew. So all the way out, as far as Rome, say, and from there even further into Spain and Britain and everywhere. 
Now for us, we can see, we can look back and see that that went, that just carried on, it just carried on and carried on, it didn't stop. It went out into Europe, it went out into Africa and the Australasia, it went out into the Americas and every corner of the globe is where it's gone uh, today. But he says, stay in Jerusalem. He says, you know, this city is significant. It's important. The people of God have always been known to live in this place, Jerusalem. So this is where it's going to start. This is where the church is going to start. This, funnily enough, was where Jesus was killed. So you might argue that, well, if they all hate him that much, let's start somewhere else. Let's go to start in like South America or somewhere. But it started where the Prince of Life was murdered by these people. And they would be shown first that this wasn't the end. They were all, you know, high-fiving each other, you know, Jesus is, is dead, right? That's the end of that nonsense. And but it was not the end. And they would see first that God vindicated by Jesus by raising him from the dead. He was seen alive after his resurrection from the grave by uh, more than 500 people at the time. And so salvation is going to be preached again, even more powerfully, to Jerusalem's people and Jerusalem's leaders, the people who killed him in the first place. It comes to his departure. It's time for him to go. He lifts off the ground. He levitates off the ground and carries on. A cloud appears, a mist, engulfs him. And they can't see him. And so they don't know what's happened. It seems to be he's raising up from the earth. Now I said to you a few weeks ago about the importance of this imagery of up higher versus lower and remember that we use that we say God is on high God is above all we use that language not because we believe God is further away from earth than we are it's imagery it helps us to think that he helps us to recognize that he's superior to man in every way so like I said if you went up in a spaceship and looked around, you'd never reach heaven. You would never come and go, oh, here's heaven. But it uses the language of going up and Jesus himself raised from the ground to show powerfully this image that he was going to heaven to take his place at the Father's side again. And so he goes. Why a cloud? What's the purpose of the cloud? Well, in scripture, the cloud uh, denotes uh, the power of God and the presence of God. So it's it's another endorsement of Jesus that these clouds were there. And also, Jesus himself says he would return in clouds with power and great glory. So again, clouds are used in that sense. So he went. Two men uh, stood there. Two men, they were angels, there's no doubt about this. These were angels in the form of humans. And they were there. And they just re they reminded the apostles that Jesus was coming again. 
And you could view it like this. Jesus comes the first time. He comes the first time. And he said, he stood on this very earth and said, I'm not here right now to destroy the world. I'm here as a saviour. I'm here to save people, he said. And he teaches and he gets killed and he, and he goes back to it. And then there's this promise that he will come again. He will come again, but with a different attitude, fundamentally different attitude. At the return of the Christ, he will come in an attitude of vengeance this time. There will be no more dispensing mercy to people. There will be no more offering people uh, you know, salvation if they want it. There will be none of that. It will just be for the purpose of uh, judgment. We could say Jesus has, has been, for the last 2,000 years, he's been coming, visiting us, visiting people and countries in judgment. He's visiting in, 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 in a sense. He visits us, he comes again in judgment. And that's happened right throughout history since then. But there is one special day coming when he will return in a more, more real sense, a more concrete sense. And we call that the second coming of Christ. And as I say, uh, I, know, I know people uh, will be telling you that they are looking for signs, like you know, an increase in earthquakes or something. I don't think any of that's true. I think he can come at any time. Jesus' return will be when we don't expect it, and it could be before the end of this meeting he will return. It could be in the middle of the night when we're asleep. It could be after I'm dead. It could be a thousand years from now. I doubt it, but it could be. But he is returning. That's the culmination of everything then. That's when it all happens. Well, Jesus goes and he said it was for the purpose of the descent of the Spirit. So what happens next? Well, we'll just mention, we'll just consider for a few moments the descent of the Spirit. The coming down of the Spirit. Did you spot there that it mentioned baptism, verse 5? Jesus says, John the Baptist had people queuing up to be baptised in water, and at the same time they were baptised, they would repent of the sins, and you know, th there would be some value in that. And Jesus says, but he says he says he says you you crowd you just apostles you will be baptized with the holy spirit baptized with the holy spirit baptism in scripture means uh, an act which brings about some kind of change okay that means that if you're a christian it means that you have the holy spirit you have been baptized by the holy spirit but there are, there are different functions of the Holy Spirit, different works for different times. And for these, they were being enabled for a special mission. Not exactly like ours, it's a bit different. But Jesus says there that this promise, this big promise of the coming of the Spirit, he said that it was the a promise of the Father, right? He said, you heard it from me. 
And then there's the actual baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we can see a Trinitarian work there. A promise of the Father, communicated by the Son, and then carried out by the Spirit. If you think in what, in what sense was it promised by the Father, well, it presumably refers to the, the scriptures like we looked at the other week in Joel, where it said, in those days I will pour out my spirit on all, all flesh, all people. So it's promised there, it was announced by the Son, he, he tells us, and it was carried out by the Spirit himself. Now, hang on, did they not already have the Spirit? That's the question. Right, let's break this down. Mankind, everyone, needs the Holy Spirit of God to keep them alive. The only reason we are standing up, the only reason we can stand up, the only reason we are not dead now is because the Holy Spirit is sustaining you. He keeps that heart pumping, he keeps those lungs going, right? You can describe it in a this in a medical terms if you like, but they're just the, that's just the mechanics of it. It's God the Holy Spirit who keeps people alive and animated right so the apostles already had the spirit in that way the way everyone does they also possess the spirit in a different way on another level altogether because they have faith in god so faith in god that absolute conviction not just that god exists but having that connection with him having that relationship with him that faith requires another way of the spirit on top if you like, of what you already have, faith. They already have those. They're alive, they're walking around, and they have their faith in God. But here, the promise that they will be baptised again, if you like, in a completely different way. Something that's never been seen before. Nothing like this has happened before. The Holy Spirit was given to them to perform miracles and to have great authority and to spread the gospel. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, a note on the, on the word, the reference to a kingdom, the kingdom of God. Now, it says there at the end of the verse, verse 3 there, it says, Jesus, he provided these proofs, he was raised from the dead, he appeared to people, ate with them, he taught them. And what did he talk about? The kingdom of God. He spoke about the kingdom of God. The disciples there said, uh, when, when, when can we expect, when can we expect all these to happen, this kingdom? And Jesus says, it's not, it's not for you to know the date. He says, but the arrival of this kingdom will be marked by the outpouring of the Spirit. And he told them that that will happen soon. So they're told that it's going to be marked by the outpouring of the Spirit. The sentence in verse 6, you'll notice the verse begins with the word so. Verse 6 starts with so. Now that's like the word therefore. It, it connects this with what has just been said. So what has just been said, well, verse 5. So the word so connects verse 5 with verse 6. How? Let's have a look. Jesus is talking about the baptism of the Spirit. Then the disciples ask about the kingdom. 
there doesn't seem to be much of a connection there. Something he said about this outpouring of the Spirit made the disciples think, wow, this must be the, this must be the, the kingdom, right? And we shouldn't be surprised because the Old Testament connects them. The Old Testament frequently connects this great outpouring of God in the latter days, which, which we're in now. He connects this outpouring of the Spirit with the coming of the kingdom. And so as soon as Jesus said the Spirit, they went, well, is this the time for, is the kingdom coming? Are we, is, it, is it going to happen now? Well, they'd assumed that there was going to be this restoration of Israel. However they thought that would come about, they probably had some strange ideas of what that would be. But Jesus says, you're going to get the Spirit, you're going to go out preaching this message of the kingdom for me. And soon enough, soon enough, eventually they would understand what Israel meant. Israel had meant, uh, Israel was a person to begin with. Then Israel was a nation that were descended from that person. So all a sort of, if you like, a race of people, the Israelite people, okay? And then things are changing now. God's favour was on this one nation for a very, you know, for a, for a while, on this one nation. But it was always going to change. The real kingdom of God was going to be made up by people not just from there, but from all over the world. All tribes, all nations, all languages. That they would make up the kingdom of God. And that these disciples would come to learn who the true Israel was. A true Israelite, a true Jew, if you prefer, is one who is, who is circumcised in the heart. Right? In other words, one who has been born again. One who has received the Holy Spirit. One who is trusting in Christ. That we are the true Israel friends. So the, the apostles are told to witness in these regions, Jerusalem, then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And they would learn that the people of God would be made up not just of Israelites according to you know, biological connections, but Israelites would be people who possess the Spirit. Who knows what they thought the coming of the kingdom would be like, but Jesus really defined it for them. So, no matter what they thought, Jesus, in his answer, defines what the kingdom would be. Did I not say, like, when we spoke about the... When we spoke about the thief on the cross a few weeks ago, and I, I proposed that he... he he probably didn't understand what was coming in the future. He may be a bit confused about how it was going to pan out. And I imagine it's the same for the apostles. Because it was common enough among those people to think that the Messiah was going to come and wipe out Imperial Rome, just destroy them all, and set himself up, set himself up as ruler over this new God empire, if you like. That was the Jewish way of thinking, but it wasn't like that at all. Jesus had been showing them 
teaching them and then showing them in his death that he wasn't here to pile suffering on people, his enemies. He wasn't to pile suffering on them. Jesus came to take suffering on himself. It was the other way around. He came to absorb suffering for other people. Finishes off there with this. The mention of them being witnesses. You're going to be witnesses. They were standing there, staring, amused, looking up, couldn't see Jesus. Maybe they were hoping to get a glimpse of him somewhere. And they're staring there thinking, when's it all going to? Of course, you have the two angels standing there, and they are saying to them, Why are you standing there staring? Why are you standing there staring and wondering about when's the kingdom coming? The, the, the angels say, Don't worry about when this is going to happen and, and all the rest of it. You, you've got a job to do. You've got a job to do in preparation for when he comes. So you need to be, you need to get ready for that. You need to get on with your job. And, and the same could be said for us. You know, so I mean, I, I, I've, spent a, I've spent a fair chunk of my Christian life uh, absorbed in, in, you know, the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, trying to work out if we can, you know, can we identify when the end is going to be. And I was convinced the end was going to be in the 90s, then in the year 2000, uh, and then maybe a bit late. And then I started to think, you know, this is a bit fruitless. This is fruitless, this. And I've, I've given up, I've given up, thankfully, on all that. So we are not to stand there either. We are not to stand there looking up, thinking, oh, when, when's it going to happen? Can you, can you hurry up, Lord, put an end to this wicked world? and let us live with you forever. Uh, but we're not to do that. We've got a job to do. And so the angels would say the same thing to us. There's a job to be getting on with. Get on with it. We're in this church now, this, this, this 21st century church. It's now worldwide. These, we're not to think of ourselves as being living after Christ. Because of the ascension we talked about, we're under Christ. We're not after him, we're, we're under him. He rules and we are under, under Christ. And he works in us through the same Holy Spirit. Our jobs might be different in many ways from the apostles, but still God wants, to, wants us to get on with the, with the work of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit enables us for service, so we should pray for the Holy Spirit and then we should get on uh, with promoting the work, uh, doing the work of the, the kingdom. Amen.